You're listening to CX Passport, the show about creating great customer experiences with a dash of travel talk. Each episode, we'll talk with our guests about great CX, travel, and just like the best journeys, explore new directions we never anticipated. I'm your host, Rick Denton. I believe the best meals are served outside and require a passport. Let's get going. Today, we have a treat with two guests on the episode, Jared Gabers, Head of Digital Product and Experience, and Audrey Anderson, User Experience Researcher, both from Republic Finance. I've known Jared for years, having worked with him at a former company. With Audrey, I had the opportunity to meet someone new, which is always a treat for me. In talking with Jared and Audrey, I got this great sense of how user experience and product and customer experience, it's all tied together in their minds. These aren't silos for them. It's all interwoven, you know, the way it should be. What's going to be fun to hear is that they've been a part of the journey to create customer insights at Republic Finance from the beginning. If you're listening and wanting to grow your customer insights strength, they're going to have some great wisdom nuggets for you. And as I say in the intro, how the best journeys take us to places we never expected, I can assure you, I never thought that parking and potties would lead me to wisdom in the user experience space. And I bet you didn't either. More on that later. It's going to be a fun ride. Jared and Audrey, welcome to CX Passport. Thank you. Thank you. Great to be here. Awesome. Well, let's let's start with just a little context. Saying customer experience is like saying design, right? This wide spectrum. You've got graphic designers, industrial designers, creative designers. Same thing in customer experience. So for the listeners, help set the context of where you are in the customer experience universe. Jared, let's start with you. Uh, sure, Rick. So my background is in product management. And as you mentioned, my role here is the head of digital product and experience. And that means, uh, for the most part, that I'm accountable for all of our digital experiences, anything that a customer would see on our website or a mobile app, for example. But what that actually means, uh, is there's a lot of freedom to define that. And to me, it doesn't mean like just create nice looking websites uh, that you know maybe are easy to use. Um, to us, and, and as I formed the group, it really means understanding who our customers are, you know, what they care about, the things that they are looking for in a lender, particularly for in our case, and then trying to deliver on that in every opportunity. That extends beyond digital only. Mm-hmm. Um, So we have a bunch of touch points with our branches or over the phone. If we have a deeper insight into our customers, we can meet their needs in digital and those same insights are often going to apply elsewhere. We're going to learn things that are going to apply outside of digital as well. So like the whole sense of how we win in the marketplace for me is really how, how well we understand our customers and how well we can deliver on that. Oh, I really, really like that. That's something that's near and dear to anybody that wants to talk about customer experience in general, but product specifically, what you're describing, and that is understand the customer. I love you talking about the touch points and that aspect. We may get into that a little bit later, but Audrey, I want a chance to hear from you as well. So as a UX researcher, mm-hmm. how do you see your role in the customer experience world? I I, I always think of like, okay, my job is to tell a story, like to really, like if I'm talking to 15 customers how do I then go into a room where I'm trying to, you know, relay a message from a customer and tell it like a story, like take, 
take people behind the scenes into like a little glimpse into a customer's life and Mm -hmm. what it's like to live their life. And then how that translates into some experience they had with us, whether it's online, you know, in the digital space or in a branch or, you know, with a customer service rep and just like help bring people along with like a, hopefully a really compelling story about what they experienced and how they, how they really felt about it. That, that, approach of bringing story into it. Mm. And I'm thinking about what Jared just said, and that was the, you know, how are we getting out there into the front lines and, and, and beyond the front lines, but just getting deep into the customer and then translating that into stories. Mm. I'm thinking about as, as this whole evolution, and I want to hear more about the evolution, but I've got to imagine that as the company evolved going through its customer insights journey, there had to have been some aha moments. There had to have been some of those Huh, that story told me something I wasn't expecting. What was what was that journey to create that customer insights team like? And what were some of those aha moments as you went through that journey to create that team? The creating part, I mean, the team is is just me. So one one man team, but <laughs> so as you went through your own journey of exploring this. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, honestly, it's one of the things that really excited me the most about coming to Republic Finance was just complete white space. Like I wasn't, I didn't start here and as a widget, basically like fitting in an existing process. It, you know, as I talked to Jared the very first time, like, you know, over a year ago at this point, it was like, wait, there's like, I literally get to take this entire white piece of paper and put a process on it and see how it could actually fit and work and and deliver on like what the actual goals are. And then I get to talk to all the customers all the time like that. Like that's it. That's <laughs> my dream job right there. And so that like that part was. I mean, it, a lot of it was really hard because when you're creating something from nothing, it is like, hey, how about this? Mm, I don't know. I don't know if that's really gonna fit. So Jared right. and I worked through that. And then from there, it was a matter of like, hey, here's the plan. Here's the process to with marketing with legal with customer service with branches and just seeing if everybody you know when they experienced like here's how we're going to start gathering insights said yeah that makes sense to me like that i can get behind that how you know and even how can i benefit from it later you know i think that one thing you said there has got to be encouraging to a lot of listeners that they may have thought oh just like i did i I mean we already had a pre-call and even i missed out on the team of one aspect of it and it doesn't (laughs) take this massive team this massive universe of people to create these great customer insights to create this approach but it is a disciplined journey that you you Mm -hmm. you take along the way to get there jared i'm thinking about as that team evolved now I say that team, right? That team of one, <laughs> even I'm having troubles tripping over my words going back to the team, but this concept of customer insights as it evolved, there's gotta be some times where the company leaders, people assumed something about the customer, but when you actually mm-hmm. listen to the customer, it was something completely different. Anybody really have their mind kind of changed on something as you went through this customer insights journey? Yeah, for sure. Uh, and you know, it's funny because it's been over a year now since Audrey joined, but I was here for almost two years before she joined. And, you know, looking back, it's almost impossible for me to imagine how I live without having this customer <laughs> insights function. But as I was like, you know, early 2021, when we were uh, preparing to pitch, you know, uh, our executives for creating customer insights, we spoke a lot about it being 
a process. Um, mm-hmm. Like we actually use the analogy of like a factory, right? We do a bunch of research and on the other end of the assembly line, you get a bunch of insights out of it mm-hmm. and those are going to be valuable for you. And I don't know if, um, you know, Audrey would agree that it's so stiff as like a factory. I <laughs> Nothing, nothing I do is factory like. I was going to say, I don't don't know many customer insights processes that are that formulaic, right? But I think the the process of, uh, you know, or setting up the processes of of being able to easily reach out to customers and and get um, various information or do do different kinds of studies. That was easy to think of as a process because Mm -hmm. we knew we needed to have all like set of approvals or like a, a pocket of customers that we can tap into easily. Things like that would need to be set up in advance. And so that's what Audrey really did a great job of coming in when she says a white space. We didn't have any of that at the beginning. We didn't have any vendors or anything we were using. Um, but I think back in terms of like aha moments or surprises, you know, when we first, when we rolled out our very first journey map, um, there was a kind of a surprise moment for folks first of all they, a lot of them probably have never seen a journey map before right but um you know we we focused on one part of our our marketing experience and like when people chose to take up the offer and uh you know you know take out a loan and a big portion of that uh journey map was like hey that's not like the first step in the process right there's a whole lot that happens before that in terms of someone like receives our marketing and they maybe don't know about us, they need to investigate. Um, and they may not actually respond to the first one, but they're still thinking about it. So the whole, like, the, the, I think people knew intrinsically the timing matters, but it's maybe not even the first time you hit them that matters. Yeah, It's you kind of build towards something and in the back of their minds, they may have kind of built a knowledge base about Republic finance. And then suddenly, they get the offer at the exact right time and okay, then it clicks. Okay. I already have some level of trust. Let's do this. Um, but the first time they receive one of our marketing messages, like our primary marketing campaign, like the very first step in the journey map is, um, this kind of like legitimacy question, yeah. right? They receive a mail piece. They've maybe never, never heard of us or they've never seen a, a marketing piece like this. You know, we actually created, a website to actually address this concern afterwards. So this is the result of the, of the learning. Uh, we created a separate web page and literally the top of the page says, yes, it's real. <laughs> um, because because we, we found that people were not always sure. Or so they were right. calling us or they were doing a Google search and there wasn't anything on our website for it. So um, that was one of the kind of really big insights that kind of surprised us. This is your captain speaking. I want to thank you for listening to CX Passport today. We've now reached our cruising altitude, so I'll turn that seatbelt sign off. While you're getting comfortable, hit that follow or subscribe button on your favorite podcast app so you'll never miss an episode. Love if you'd tell a friend about CX Passport. Leave a review so others can discover the show as well. Now sit back and enjoy the rest of the episode. I think that's one of the things that uh, journey mapping specifically, but customer insights in general can really bring to a company. Think about someone that's not sitting in a customer facing role. So a finance, Mm -hmm. Audrey, you mentioned this, how do we interact with legal? How do we interact with finance? How do we interact with all that? And helping them understand that they may be thinking so transactionally, customer contacts Mm -hmm. me, that is the beginning of it. Customer signs, Mm -hmm. customer makes payment, customer processes, whatever that looks like, closes the relationship, all of that. 
that is, uh, but this idea of the customer's journey extends well beyond that, even before they're even thinking the words Republic finance or even finance in general, right? Just, they have this need, this, this something that is existing in their life and that, that approach to their, I, I can see how that would have opened the eyes of the company and the team in general, specifically those that weren't necessarily as customer facing. I, I, Audrey, I want to ask you about how you interacted with all those teams and all of that. So maybe we'll get to that later, but there's something you said to me in the pre-call that has always sort of sat with me. And it was that UX and product often, well, they're just, they're very associated with technical and often sometimes analytical. And yeah, there's a creative element to it as well. But you talked about how you love talking about feelings. We even joked about you being the UX therapist. (laughs) So as you've gotten the customer on the couch and you're talking to them and getting their feelings out, why are feelings so important to getting that customer experience right? I, I just always feel like feelings really stick with people, you know, like they, that's the thing that sticks with them the longest. It's not, I mean, the button color is important and how they got to us is important, but if they come to us and they experience something really delightful, then it sticks. Mm -hmm. But the same is totally true. Like if they come to us and they experience something that's really upsetting or frustrating or I don't know, challenging or, or I, I don't know, for our customers too, I feel like so often they're coming to us because they genuinely need help right then. And, and there's a lot of feelings associated just with, with that, like coming to someone for help, that if they experience something that's negative or frustrating, that's going to stick even more, you know? And there so, was, yeah, yeah the, 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 I'm sorry to interrupt, but there was a, a former podcast guest. And I think, I think it was Gus who said this, Gus Imhoff, and please forgive me. Maybe I'll even edit it later uh, if I get the name wrong, but he's the one who said experience doesn't matter. It's like, wait, what? We're talking about a customer experience podcast. What do you mean experience doesn't matter? He said, the experience itself doesn't matter. It's what the memory of the experience was. So to your right. point about the color of the button is irrelevant. It was the feeling that they had associated right. with the color of the button or the operation of the website. And Jared's story before this, like that was one of the, I think not only one of the first aha moments, like for myself, but also like everyone we shared it with was you know, when people first received that thing from us, their first experience, I mean, it I can't tell you, I would talk to person after person after person. It didn't matter if it was a year ago that they had that experience or five years ago or last week, it was always two feelings. Oh my gosh, I, this is, I'm, I feel so lucky and blessed that I have this in my hand. Is it real? You know, like it was those two really strong feelings and it was, it was so consistent. And that was a, that part of the feeling story was really cool to relay to people who, you know, needed and wanted to hear it in Republic finance, because it was, it's like, it made it actionable, Yeah, you know? Ooh. And uh, oh my gosh, I, uh, we're definitely going to talk about that later, but I want to ask you something. The idea of feelings can be hard for people to talk about. Right. So I'm kind (laughs) of curious and Audrey, start with you, Jared, if you got something to throw in as well, but how do you do this? It's hard enough for people to, for companies, for people to mm. get a, an authentic voice of the customer in general, but how are you getting down to that feeling level? How do you go about that with customers? I, whenever I'm talking about a customer, I, I always try my very best to use their name. So like, if I'm, if I'm saying, well, I spoke, I spoke to this woman, Annika, I'm just making, you know what I mean? Like I would, I say the name. It's not like, 
oh, well, customers often say mm. they're frustrated when blah, de, blah. Like, I don't say that. I'm like, well, when I talked to Annika last week, she she specifically brought up what we're talking about right now. And that was hard for her. And so I definitely try to use names. I always try to use quotes. And this this might sound silly, but like I try to I try to even like use the tone of voice that the customer like I'm pretty expressive I'm sure you can tell and like I try, I try to use like their the way that they said it like because I feel like the way that they said it their tone and their emotion and their yeah. pace and those things if I change the way I normally talk into you know the way that they tried to convey a message I think it's it's more compelling and, and that's when you're and that's when you're summarizing Audrey because like you also like use actual recordings right totally yes yeah, video and audio recordings, depending on you know how what my methodology is for sure. Well, let's let's actually talk about that. So the idea of that customer's voice, and I still want to ask you because you you didn't reveal your secrets, so it could be that you're hiding your trade secrets there, Audrey. <laughs> so I'm I'm not gonna let you have the hook. We're gonna go back to it. But uh, knowing that the company needs you as that source of customer insight, you've already established that, right? The journey got you to that point that they know you're the source of insight. But making sure that they're not hearing Audrey and Jared's opinions. It sounds mm -hmm. like you're giving me some insight into how you're already doing that. But how do you bring that customer's voice into the company beyond what you're describing there, saying the, the name, Audrey, but rather you know these videos, these recordings? How are you getting that customer to where they are living and breathing inside the company and ensuring the company listens to the customer's voice? not Audrey and Jared. Yep. And tell me if this is, so I'm, I'm doing my best and I, that this part for me is still a process in development, but once a month we have check-ins with executives and we're able to, uh, I put together um, summaries of whatever I've, you know, gathered up in the last month um, or, you know, however long things mm. took together. And so I, tr I, I always, do sort of like, here's what we went after. Here's what we learned and show them actual things, whether it's charts from surveys or video or audio quotes or written quotes, you know, where I read them. And then the last thing that I always do is a, what we should do slide. So it's like, I'm not just like, Hey, here's some super interesting information. It's always, what do we do now? Like what do, and it, some of it is my opinion. So yeah. we sort of as a team then go back and and assess like what we you know what we decide to take action on but i never leave it at here's some super interesting information it's always what we should do and um and then we've done other things too like there's a bi-weekly all company communication and there's a quarterly you know all company communication where we're working to include um, not only what we've learned but also what we've done and that what we plan to do as time goes forward so it's, there's still, but I still feel like there's more like to really get it in like every mm -hmm. single part. One cool thing, I don't, so not to get too deep into this, but for the very first time I had someone reach out to me in June and say, Hey, I think it would be really helpful if I knew what customers thought about this thing. And it was, it was, it was something about her job. Mm -hmm. And I was like, yes, it would be like, let's figure out how we learn. <laughs> so it was like the first time somebody came to me and said, I think I could benefit from customer insights in what I'm doing. Nice. And then uh, a similar thing happened with uh, someone who's writing blogs for our website. And he's like, you're always collecting interesting stuff, like anything our customers might want, you know, to read about on the website. So that, I think that 
my hope is that that continues to grow. That had to be completely validating, like just on that level of just the, the validation to have suddenly instead of trying to push, you're actually being pulled yeah. Yeah. and having that going forward. I love the idea of bringing that customer's voice in there. Jared, I want to ask you this. So you were at Republic Finance in a world before Audrey and before customer insights. How have you seen what she's describing there, this idea of bringing that customer voice in? How have you seen that change things? Uh, how have you seen people react differently? How have you seen them craving these customer insights or other areas? What, what does that look like? How have you seen it changed? I think just introducing people to the idea of what's possible here was a real game changer for us. You know, once the first few presentations or, or insights rolled in. I honestly think um, like when our CEO attends our monthly catch up, I think this is the part he really wants to hear. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. He, he, he's, he just craves those insights because they're, they're not coming from anywhere else. And, you know, sometimes it'll line up with, you know, what the sales team is saying about, you know, trends sometimes it won't line up exactly right. And we've got to try to connect the dots between what we're hearing and what they're saying. So I, I think he loves making connections and all of our executives do, but like mm -hmm. for me, that's a, that's a, a really big like aha for us is like, okay, we, we have to make this front and center in what we're talking about, even in just a regular digital update, right? We can talk about all the pages we're building, but we also need to talk about the insights we've gathered and so that's become a re regular feature, as Audrey mentioned, and probably the one that honestly our executives get the most excited about. Let's do a little change of pace here. Join me in the first class lounge. We'll move quickly here and hopefully have some fun. What is a dream travel location from your past? I'm going to go top of screen. Audrey, let's start with you. Ireland. Oh. Definitely Ireland. Tell yes. me why. Mostly, and that hopefully, I mean, I'm a big nerd. I got to see the Cliffs of Insanity from The Princess Bride, which oh, are the Cliffs oh. of Moore. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> so, and I know every single line to that movie from my childhood. So that was, yeah, that was Do we great. have an episode title now? The one with The Princess Bride. Maybe we'll go with that. So <laughs> that's awesome, Audrey. Jared, what's a dream travel location from your past? From my past? So the like the cop-out answer is just like anywhere where family is. But- I think the real answer for me, it would always be somewhere where I go someplace and maybe didn't get to see something I was intending to. So I think I would say Iceland okay. and it's because a few years ago I went and the entire idea for me of the trip was, Hey, this is the warmest place on earth where you can see the Northern lights. And it was rainy and cloudy. Oh, no. <laughs> did not get to see them. So that would be the place I would want to go back. You got to okay. go back. Well, let's, I, I hope it's not the same answer, Jared. We'll stick, stay with you. Dream travel location you've not been to yet. Oh, for me, that's Rome for sure. Uh, I'm such a big history person. Yeah. I, I took multiple courses in college, not related to my degree on Roman history. So I have to get to Rome. Got to get to Rome. I think that's a great idea. Now, I would also tell you, get the heck out of Rome and go see the rest of Italy. Because I know that I love the other parts of it as well. But Rome is fascinating. I thought you were going to say a sunny or a cloudless version of Iceland. So I'm glad to hear that it's Rome. Uh, Audrey, what is your dream travel location you've not been to yet? Definitely midnight sun in Norway. I want to stay in like one of those little lodges where it's like windows all around and you just like 
oh, it looks so amazing. That's, that is, that's my dream. One of the things I love about doing the first class lounge is the different answers that I get from folks. I've not heard the, the, the midnight sun option. I've not heard the, the all glass Norway. So I I love it. I love this. I'm just going to bounce back and forth. So Audrey, what's a favorite thing to eat? I'm going to share, it's going to laugh at me. I'm going to say chips, but only because that means it can be both French fries and potato chips. (laughs) Sharon knows I have an obsession. (laughs) Every time we talk, I'm like, Ooh, have you had the fries there? Oh, oh, you're going where? Have you had the fries there? (laughs) Like, (laughs) What a sneaky global answer. I like that, Audrey. Very (laughs) fitting with CX Passport. Well done. Jared, what is a favorite thing for you to eat? That was awesome. So (laughs) my team always makes fun of me. That I'll I basically eat anything that a twelve-year-old would love. Um, so <laughs> I'm honestly going to say a grilled cheese sandwich because for me that is like real comfort food, and it's also probably the most advanced thing I can cook myself. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, that is fantastic! Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna keep the food order the same. Audrey, what is the thing your fer- parents forced you to eat but you hated as a kid? So it is stuffed bell peppers and it's because my sisters would scrape theirs onto my plate when my parents weren't looking and then I would get in trouble and have to go to bed because I didn't finish my dinner and they would get to go outside and eat their popsicle. And there's a lot, there's a lot of, not only did it taste nasty, there's a lot of like emotion wrapped up in that. Oh my gosh. That's right. (laughs) Oh, oh, holy cow. Boy, there's a whole nother podcast we can do. Uh, The UX therapist and her group. Oh my. I, I don't think I can touch that any further, but that's fascinating. Jared, what about you? Think your parents forced you to eat, but you hated as a kid. Yeah. God bless my parents. I was a super picky eater when I was a kid. I, uh, I mean, they'll tell stories that I used to hate hamburgers because I had to have oh. hot dogs, that sort of thing. But thankfully I've grown out of that. Um, but the, the one thing that really, really like, I hated most of all, and I still hate is green beans. I can't stand them. <laughs> The vegetable raises its head once again in this section. Absolutely. (laughs) Jared, what is one travel item, not including your phone, you will not leave home without? Not including my phone. Probably phone charger is included in that too. Yeah, Yeah, you can't say that. Although although I've certainly done it before and it was a disaster. (laughs) Um, You know, I actually am a big fan of like old fashioned travel guides. So I actually will bring up like a paper one, like a book, actual book um, along with me. So I I realize I can get a lot of that on my phone, but still, I still like doing that. I like that. I like, I've had actually other guests say the same thing, Jared, you you are not alone in that. Audrey, what about you? A travel item, not including your phone that you will not leave home without moisturizing eye patches and bonus if they have collagen in them. You've been on planes, moisturizer matters. Yes. Jared, I promised this in the intro. I promised we would talk about parking and potties and somehow tie that to user experience. (laughs) How on earth do parking and potties provide a model for UX? So... I'll set this up a little bit because this is related to, of course, the last time we chatted. Yeah. And I mentioned, and I actually was talking about the trip to Iceland that I had been on recently. And I, I remember very distinctly seeing a bunch of 
places, particularly around the airport, where they had these like frowny and smiley face buttons right mm-hmm. outside of the bathroom. And, you know, this also ties into the um, perception uh, thing that we were talking about earlier. Right. Um, the the execution and the perception of follow through on these mm-hmm. really makes all the difference, mm-hmm. right? So um, I've seen these at other places, but if you see that, if I see that anyway at, at DFW Airport, not knocking DFW, it's probably one of the most efficient airports in the yeah. US. <laughs> Big fan of it. Um, but if I see a kiosk like that there, I'm you know probably going to think oh, great, somebody will get a daily or a weekly report with these results. And, you know, they're going to look at that and they're going to say, oh, great, like 65% of people said frowny face. And that's down from 68% last time. We're doing well. Uh, or something like that, <laughs> yeah. right? You know, something- and so what? Yeah. But <laughs> Exactly. And my, my thinking there is probably based on my other experiences with DFW and the, particularly the bathrooms being kind of hit or miss there. But in Iceland, at least the one experience I had, the bathroom was absolutely spotless, which really reinforced the data collection for me because now I think my expectation is going to be met. Yeah. Right. I'm, I'm thinking, you know, somewhere in the airport, if I hit that frowny face, there's going to be a bat signal and somebody's <laughs> going to come running to investigate that situation. And it, like I, like I said, it's perception. It doesn't even matter if that's true. I'm comforted by that. And so therefore those buttons impressed me. Whereas they would not have it at DFW. I think that's important, though. What you're saying, it, it, I hadn't ever really thought of it, at least in one sentence together. But how the results of the experience help inform the user experience, and so mm. the result of the hit or miss bathroom makes you think, "I'm not touching that button." First of all, I wouldn't touch the button anyway. But I've heard that there's mm. some hands-free versions of that in bathrooms <laughs> these days. But if it's a clean potty, then then that makes sense. But what about so that's the potty one parking. That's the- so here's the tie-in to parking, and this is something that I actually literally just experienced um, in the past week when I flew through DFW. They've actually started putting these red and green LED lights above the bathroom stalls and some of the like newly remodeled terminals. Yeah. Okay. And they signal whether the stall is occupied or if it's free, just kind of like they've had in the parking lot or yeah. the parking garages for a few years now. And I thought that was fantastic because, well, first of all, like I know exactly which one is open and not. I don't have to go fumble around. But it also requires absolutely zero explanation for somebody who can see those, Um, right? I immediately know what a red light and a green light mean, Mm -hmm. and you know where I can and can't go, you know, so to speak. (laughs) (laughs) Well played, sir. You know, and that that, I like that it's the simplicity of that is something that we've talked about when it comes to user experience, that it doesn't have to always be this incredibly complex thing. It is a red or a green light above a parking space or a potty space or whatever it is. And helping that make the customer's experience so much simpler and, and the design is simple, the experience is simple. And, and I now know why parking and potties will help inform me when it comes to user experience. Thank you, Jared. <laughs> if I get nothing else out of this. Now, I'm, I'm cheating. I'm looking at the clock and I'm shocked, but we are actually out of time. But I don't want to, to end without asking this. And I think, Audrey, I'll start with you, but I, I would love both of y'all's perspective on this. And it's we've talked about how you, you both have been a part of creating this customer insights journey at the company, the, the team of one, Audrey, if you will, but the overall concept and culture of customer insights. 
so you've done this. Have you arrived? Are you done with the journey? I, I think there's so much more to do. I, I don't, I mean, we, we literally, we have a couple of journey maps. We have a couple of, I, I don't know, like maybe we have 200 customer interviews, but there are a million customers. You know what I mean? Like, it's just like the tiniest little fraction of learning has happened. And I, I think there's so much more to do and I'm excited to do it. That sounds good. Jared, Jared, your perspective. I I agree completely. There's, there's really no such thing as done when it comes to insights. Um, not only like, are there always more customers to talk to, like the customers we have talked to, they have new experiences that change Mm -hmm. their thoughts or their feelings. So I think we need to be in a state of perpetual learning. Um, and really, I think the, the better goal around or like how to define whether we've arrived or not, it's not whether the work is done, it's whether we've built up enough momentum so that others really come to us for insights. So the story mm-hmm. that Audrey shared earlier, I love hearing that. Yeah, I love hearing that people want to know about the parts of the business they're close to and what, how customers are interacting with that. That that tells me that people are paying attention to what we're doing and they see the value in it. Yeah. And so that kind of becomes self-reinforcing a little bit. That's to me, that's the closest thing to arriving, but the work is never done. That's awesome. I love it. And I love, I am so glad Audrey that you did share that aspect of the fact that you're now being asked to share these insights. And mm-hmm. I, it's such a softball question. I know, of course, who feels like they've arrived, but it's, it's interesting to hear that even with the successes that y'all have had in place, there's so much, so much more to do. And I think those listening can be encouraged by that, that just get started on your journey, right? Just mm-hmm. start somewhere and look how much uh, value you can create with the beginning of your customer insights or your voice of the customer or whatever that might look like. Mm-hmm. If folks wanted to get to know a little bit more about either of you or about Republic Finance, how would they do so? Well, they're not going to find me too many places other than LinkedIn. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so oh. they, they can certainly find me on LinkedIn. Uh, Republic Finance is republicfinance.com. Okay. I'll have a I'll have all that in the show notes, Audrey. I'm I'm also on LinkedIn along with various other social platforms. So all right, LinkedIn's probably the best. Great. If so, if folks want to know about that customer insights journey and get some insights from y'all, that's the best way yeah. to touch you. Thanks so much for uh, talking with me today. I, I, the time actually disappeared. There's so much more that I would want to ask you. I'm shocked to, to see how quickly this went, but thank you for sharing those insights. Ha, those insights about customer insights, very meta, <laughs> and uh, the, the journey and and especially kind of getting us into the, some of the emotional spaces and that sort of aspect of it. Really appreciated that. So thank you, Audrey. Thank you, Jared. It's been a wonderful time today. Thank you. Thank you. It's always great catching up, Rick. Thanks for joining us this week on CX Passport. Make sure to visit our website, cxpassport.com, where you can hit subscribe so you'll never miss a show. While you're at it, you can check out the rest of the ex for cx website. If you're looking to get real about customer experience, ex for cx is available to help you increase revenue by starting to listen to your customers and create great experiences for every customer, every time. Thanks for listening to CX Passport and be sure to tune in for our next episode. Until next time, I'm Rick Denton, and I believe the best meals are served outside and require a passport. Passport.